Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic podcast of two priests, Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And we're coming to you right from Sioux City. And guess what? I've hyped up my favorite coffee shop in Sioux City. And I'll keep hyping it up. Mm-hmm. No shame. Hardline. Nisa's crushing it there downtown. Um, now I've got the excuse to go there all the time because it's just like I could roll down Douglas Street. It's not great because it's one way. So probably shouldn't do that. But yeah, you're in the neighborhood. Um, I'm in the neighborhood. So and they're cheap espresso. So I'm just rolling down there like I'm going to you know, an Italian piazza or something, just getting espresso on the regular. But there's also another famous kind of local coffee shop um, in Sioux City. It's right by the Chancery. So I've I've also hit that up on occasion now mm-hmm. a couple of times. And you just don't have, to, I mean, you don't always have time to go down to, to Fourth Street. So you got to just pop When over. traffic is too heavy it in Sioux City. It's too heavy. I mean, like you don't have time, especially when you cut things tight like I do, you know. Nah. <laughs> As you nah, know. you. Uh, so nah, uh, yeah, you. I, was, I was Coffee Works the other day and I had a pretty... Not a great experience. Um, ordered my usual double shot of espresso. Very simple. Mm-hmm. It's what everything starts with. Um, and when the little cool like iPad thing and swiveled around, I noticed that she had um, she had charged me for a double Americano. Now, if the you're nerve. familiar with espresso drinks, Americano is exactly what you think. It's the American version of espresso. So they just take espresso and add hot water to it to make it diluted like American coffee. That's mm-hmm. what they do in Italy, and that's what they do here. So... I didn't want that because I wanted the double shot, nice and strong, cools down quickly, throw it back, come back here for a meeting at the Chancery. But they gave me an Americano. Wasn't happy about it. But it was like a high school girl, didn't want to like put her down. So I found myself today at at, uh, Coffee Works on Pierce Street. Back again. Back again. And I, um, well, I need to tell everybody in the podcast, um, everybody who's been waiting to know, the moped just showed back up. It's in back. City, it's Do you back. know how in many Sioux people City. in Sioux City, Iowa have asked me, is the moped coming to Sioux City? Father Ladies. Travis is moving from Lamar's to Sioux City. Is the is, moped is, coming? Is, is the, the moped, moped coming? coming? It gentlemen. is back. The moped. Thank Riding you. in style Thank in downtown everybody. Sioux Thank City. Around. And I got to say, I'm loving it. Now, and I will make a confession here. Um, I thought the helmet that I bought was kind of lame. I didn't wear it a lot in Lamar's, but Lamar's is kind of chill. Realizing that driving <laughs> traversing downtown Sioux city with like four lanes of traffic on every street is kind of intense and if i didn't wear a helmet it'd be really stupid so got the helmet looking kind of dumb but i'm rocking the but you're safe i'm safe so i'm rocking the sunglasses the ten dollar sunglasses from walmart the helmet on the moped with the clerics pull up the coffee works today and bam right in front of me i see a car with a with a bishop healing catholic school uh football crusaders sticker and i'm like Oh, my people. Okay. And I, I don't know the families yet, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to meet them. Well, there's these two high school girls. Well, I should, whoa, excuse me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend Collegiate them. women. They're, yeah, there were some young adult women, if you will. Um, and they, they commented on my moped. And they actually said, nice moped, you know. Well, I was was it a, Was it a compliment or was it a pity nice? No, it was an excited nice moped. Okay, good. Um, because I would learn in about 30 seconds that these... Two girls were recent graduates um, from Helan, mm-hmm. um, Avery Nelson 
right? I, yes, okay, Avery good. Nelson. Got it right. I was calling her yes. a different word. Co-valedictorian. I, I was Eva today. Avery Nelson and Emma Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Okay, very That's good. Right. You got him. I got him. And they had a little dog. And this is exciting because we're bringing a lot of kind of like outcast Catholic minutia together in this moment. Okay. Emma had a dog in her lap, a little kind of like Shih Tzu yippee dog. And guess what? I already told you, but guess again, Father Shane, what name? Mm, and listeners, I want you to think right now. Remember, very specific names of two dogs in our lives. What name was the dog in Emma's lap, Father Shane? Let's say Kalua. It was Kalua. So wow. I got to tell them the story. <laughs> and then um, this is not connected to this encounter, but it is connected very recently. I went to Deacon Paul Gangler and his wife Denise's house, and they just bought an Australian puppy, Australian Shepherd puppy, and they named it Brandy after Ooh. my dog. So there, you say there it is. No, <laughs> no. Uh, there it is. Brandy and Kalua are back. They're back in our lives again. Wonderful. So shout out, big shout out to Avery and to Emma. But they kind of told us that they stopped kind of listening. But students at the University of Iowa, they're loving the Newman Center. Yeah, they're, they're rocking the with Father Jeff and with Focus. Um, and if he listens, I don't know. But they, they know uh, Colby Ishad, who's, who's my boy, is a Focus missionary at the University of Iowa. So mm-hmm. Great just connections with the moped in Sioux City. So I've already been able to see the fruit that's being born of evangelization of Christian community just because of a simple moped. The fruit of evangelization and Christian community just because no one's ever seen in Iowa a priest rolling around in a moped before. Hey, hey, so the, I mean, like, it turns heads. You get, is your computer crashing on us? No, What's going on? it's just like, it's freaking out. I've just, I mean, oh, it's, it's like. Do you need a charger? No, it's fully charged. The windows are just kind of, stuff is just freaking out. Do you feed your uh, MacBook espresso? Uh, no, it just drinks kombucha because it's kind of hipster because oh. it's a Mac, you know? Spicy. Okay, so I'm going to pull this up again. Of course, the one time I make notes for the podcast, um, <laughs> I can't pull them up. Ladies and gentlemen, just stay with us momentarily. We'll be with you after this service announcement. Oh, we're back. Here we go. Now we're back. Okay, here's the deal. Father Shane, I'm sure you have heard this from people before. Um, I've heard it from many people. It's been coming up, and it came up one in particular time uh, where a few people were giving me reasons why they left the Catholic Church. And I love asking, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about this recently in our podcast. Just dive in. Get it on the table. I love asking about why. Why'd you leave? You know, people aren't ready for that. They're ready to sort of just like, oh, hey, priest guy. Like you just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really let you hear it. Like why I've left the church. And I'm just like, yeah, tell me. I'd love to hear. (laughs) Well, in one of these conversations I had recently, somebody said, because the church has been corrupt from the beginning. Dun, dun, dun. So long. And in that particular conversation when I said, oh, okay. Like, well, what do you, well, you know, what kind of, what do you think about the beginning? Um, This particular person said, you know, just like Henry VIII and everything. I was like. Oh, that's 16th uh, century. Okay. It's like a lot of years before that. Yeah. So that was just really bringing up this idea about the excuse that is often can be legitimate that you can point at corruption, brokenness, sin in the church. Right. Um, And corruption all often kind of that conspiracy that's underneath it, like that, like kind of under the, under the surface is all this stuff. People are corrupt because money, sex, power, all these different things. And that is kind of infiltrating the church. And because of that, why would I ever want to be part of this big institution called the Roman Catholic church? If anything, I will just be a part of like this little kind of Christian community over here, evangelical church, not a denominational experience, or I'm just going to pray in my room with my Bible, listen to my Jesus music, because I don't want to deal with that. Right. But it's made me really think about, okay, 
what is the corruption that's present in the church and has it been there since the beginning? You know, what is the beginning of the church? So it's brought up a couple questions of ecclesiology and soteriology for me to kick around. But just, just with that first kind of line, what thoughts come to mind, Father Shane, that like the church has been corrupt from the beginning or just the fact of corruption in the church? Well, first of all, let's break down a few terms. You just threw out ecclesiology and soteriology. Hey, hey. So big words. Um, that's the, Ecclesiology means like the study of the church herself. Ecclesia. Very good. Those called out, those mm-hmm. called forth. Uh, and soteriology, speaking about our end times, ultimate destiny. Salvation. Salvation itself. Um, so if the church is ordered towards salvation, if the bride of Christ is going to be radiant in glory in heaven in the new Jerusalem, as the believing people of God, as the, as the mystical body of Christ, uh, sanctified by our Lord, um, if it's all destined for that, how can it be corrupt? See, and that's why I just wanted to kind of tee you up there because I knew you needed a little, you shake off the rust, you know, for, mm-hmm. the, for the teaching, kind of stepping back into that world. You. If you're going to have a couple of classes at Kenrick. So. Yeah, getting ready for Glad the roll remember. the sleeves, start teaching, still, get out the chalk. <laughs> dust off the chalk. So Kenrick right. does still have chalkboards. No marker cool. boards down there? There's a couple marker boards, but there's the oh. chalkboards are still uh, going strong. Yeah, they're going strong. Okay. Go ahead. Well, what thoughts come to mind? First of all, when it comes to um, when it comes to people who say, "Well, the church has just always been corrupt, like from the beginning," well, on one level, you can say, "Like, yeah, <laughs> hmm. you know, we're going to push back a little bit on ter- in terms of what the church is." But if you want to get scandalized by corrupt people, okay, well, look around your neighborhood, look around your home. You might even want to look inside your own heart, hmm. you know, because if you want to start throwing rocks. And all these other people from the beginning who have been so corrupt, well, you tell me how you have mastered perfection so far. You know, um, yes, uh, we, are, we are a people that is in need of salvation. We need healing. We need restoration. We need to be reintegrated into our living relationship with the Lord. Uh, and no, one is, no one's exempt from that. Yeah. So there is, a, there is kind of a stain of corruption, of corrosion, if you will, on everybody. That's why we have a redeemer, <laughs> you yeah, know? And this is not, this is what you're saying is not a cop-out, right? This isn't just a cop-out for, it's like, come on, Father, we've just had two sex abuse scandals in the last 20 years, and you're telling me just, well, but everybody's corrupt. No, it's especially bad, right, that mm-hmm. there's brokenness and sin present in the church. It's especially bad that there's corruption with, with money and power and prestige and all this stuff present in those ministers, those priests, those pastors, those bishops who are vicars of Christ in the world, right? All the way from the Pope down to parish priests and deacons. However, talk about the beginning. I mean, go back to Genesis 3, right? With the fall. Mm-hmm. I think all of us kind of know that story in somewhat, or in some ways, right? We think of Adam and Eve and an apple, um, but we don't always understand what's actually happening there, right? But I was actually just talking to my dad, and he was sharing that he had to take a uh, kind of a philosophy theology class when he was at uh, Buena Vista University in Storm Lake, Iowa, mm-hmm. back in the day. And he said the the big kind of like proposal that they, you know, that this philosopher offered to his class was, are we created? Are we born? Are we made evil? And then we have to try to be good? Or are we born good and then evil comes upon us? Mm. And I was like, do you do you want to know like a real response to that? Because like there's real theological like responses that that's like a weird dilemma. You can kind of go in the middle of it. Sure. But I think what's clear in Genesis 3 is that God's got this plan for creation. 
But then it's the devil, the father of lies, who kind of sows in this corruption, this disintegration from the relationship, the order that God has planned for man and woman with one another, man and woman within themselves, and man and woman with God. We see in Genesis 3 this move away from the ordered, integrated life that God has planned to this corruption, this breaking apart, like right away, right after there's this, there's already this doubt. Did, did God really make us good? Did he really make us, you know, with his plan in mind? Does he actually have our, our, good, in, our good in mind? Is he, is he a good father? Well, that already starts to twist everything, right? And then this pride of, well, we have to probably figure this out for ourselves. And then there's this abandonment of Adam. Where is he at when the devil is talking to Eve? All of this stuff starts to fall apart, and the corruption of Genesis just happens. I remember mm-hmm. we were reading the, we are trying, attempting to, in spirituality, or read the whole Bible within the context of the spirituality, or my friend was like, we're like deep into the Old Testament uh, literature, and mm-hmm. he's just like, man, the Old Testament is just filled with stories of like, people having sex with the wrong people at the wrong times and just killing other people. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole Testament, right? Cause it's this corruption that just falls apart. Like once mm-hmm. relationship with self, God and others falls apart, everything starts to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're getting at is that there's this corruption in the world, right? But that like, because of that, there's need for a redeemer. And then praise God, the Christian message blazes into the scene that Jesus came to save us from corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I pulled up one of my favorite, Scripture quotes. Um, the one time when I was with you and we got to go to Rome, uh, my friend Father Jerome was there, still studying in Rome, and he had a like cell service that he you know had in, in Italy. So he let me look up a verse uh, at Paul's tomb and mm-hmm. St. Paul's outside the wall, and I was able to read this one. And it's powerful and it gets me every time. But this is uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter eight, verses eighteen through twenty-one. It's not too long. Paul says that I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own accord, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty or freedom of the children of God. Just one more time, that last line, verse 21, because the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. So there's this recognition from Paul that like, there is this corruption in the world. There is brokenness. There is sin. But there's a possibility of being liberated and freed from the slavery to this corruption like the obvious slavery to sin, the slavery to the breakdown of our bodies as we get older, the slavery to death. And he points constantly back to Christ, right? It's Christ who lives in him. Um, so then now, I, th- I mean, it's important to think of like, well, then when did the church start, mm-hmm. you know? Well, that's, that's, that's the other thing that you have to remember when someone's throwing these, you know, grenades at you saying, well, the church has always been corrupt since the beginning. You sound just like that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, like I, I pointed out earlier that Yes, all of us are kind of stained by this reality of corruption, hence the need for a savior. But there's also a very ignorant understanding of what the church is in her glory as the bride of Christ. Um, so if you want to launch grenades that the church has always been corrupt, well, how did she start? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came rushing upon like a driving wind in the upper room and filled the Blessed Mother and the other apostles with this surge of, of heavenly grace by which 
those who were absolutely terrified for their lives of being condemned and crucified like Jesus could now go out publicly with the strength provided from heaven to, to preach in tongues, to speak in tongues, and to proclaim Christ risen from the grave. Uh, not only that, with the, the physical manifestations of tongues of flame appearing above their heads, when all of this surge of, of heavenly aid just suddenly was unleashed upon uh, those very first Christians, how can we say that she's always been corrupt? I mean, her very birth comes from uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit brought forth from the wounded side of Christ, uh, you know, a sacramental, you know, blood and water come rushing out of him. All of this, you know, is a gift from God. The church is not some man-made sociological experiment to create this this organization to go try and go do some good in the world. All of this comes from God himself. It is his bride, yeah. the church. It is his gift to the world. It is his calling of a people united as one to be redeemed in his blood. Um, so to, to launch these grenades really doesn't understand at all what the gift of the church is from God himself. Yeah, and I, I had mentioned before that word ecclesia, and you kind of said a calling out of, right? So the, this chosen race, this chosen priesthood, a people called to be his own. I love the fulfillment that, you're, that the church realizes um, in the type of, Right or the foreshadowing of the people of Israel, right? That's that's the like the, the fledgling seed of the church that we experience now, the mystical body of Christ, is that God called and chose this particular people, called them out of this world of sin and corruption, and constantly through the Old Testament was calling them out, calling them out of the world, like stop marrying with these other tribes because it's going to lead you into this like paganism is it's going to pull you away from me and pull you back into the corruption that not just of worshiping other gods, but all of the morality that kind of associates with it, right? That's going to go as far as child sacrifice, going to go as far as all the sexual sin. God always calling his children out of the world, right? Forming them as his own and then sending them back out to like redeem the world, right? To be a blessing for the sake of the world. And that happens then in a fulfillment in the church, right? The church this ecclesia, this called out, these people are being called out of the world, out of fear of the upper room, out of this timidity, through the power of the Holy Spirit, being healed of their woundedness of, of sin, right? Peter on the shore of the, the Sea of Galilee, right? Being called out of his fear and shame and sin, and then being sent back into the world to bring about this redemption. That's exactly what Paul's talking about. Like, mm-hmm. This, there's this freedom of the children of God because you're called out, you're invited by Jesus, he takes you by the hand out of corruption while you're still recognizing, yeah, I'm trudging through this world in the midst of corruption. Mm-hmm. And, um, as the popular 70s song goes, we are pilgrims on a journey. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're being called out constantly, called into deeper relationship with God, sent back out into the world. I think that's beautifully stated, Um because I think that's a great way to overcome the hurdle of scandal from other sinners in the world. You know, for those who just feel stuck in the mud that the church is just full, so full of corruption because of her sinful members, I can't see myself joining that. Or if someone has joined the church where they just feel like they're going through the motions, like this is my social club, I know it's important to pray, I know it's important to try and get to heaven, I'll pay my dues when the collection basket comes around, and that keeps me in the club. Yeah. If, if that's kind of your understanding on a very earthly, horizontal plane of what the church is, what you, the vision that you just offered, Father, 
uh, in terms of being called out into divine intimacy into something much greater than what this world provides is a pathway, is an avenue that the church offers, especially through her sacramental life. And if that's not understood, um, we really want to just invite our listeners to kind of see that broader and higher vision while also acknowledging as clerics of the church that we need to consistently keep apologizing for the sin and the scandal that uh, the shepherds, but all the members of the church have caused to others, uh, deep and horrific scandals that have traumatized and caused pain for so many. But nevertheless, the mission of the church to call us forth to something much higher still remains. Yeah. And, and the stumbling blocks of others ought not to keep us from that uh, great quest and vision. Yeah, bottom line. Is the church corrupt from the beginning? <laughs> yes, insofar as humanity is still struggling with the effects of sin, right? The wages of sin are death, corruption, decay. But please, like, praise God, we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. And please, God, if we live in a life according to his grace and we respond to that call out of sin and death into the womb of the, of the, of the font of baptism and into the life of the church, then we're invited to um, new life mm-hmm. and we're called out away from corruption and we can experience that while there's corruption in humanity there's a glorious freedom in jesus christ who invites us to be his children yeah. well said basta to emma to avery to kalua and brandy <laughs> thank you all for joining us today on this episode of outcast catholic <laughs> and god bless everyone thanks for tuning in Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.